We're going back to back. Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Freddie Revis, and who... Sir, are you looking so good? Uh, I am Matt Duncan, the producer, and I was just like lost in thought while you were doing our normal start because I really hope this isn't the last podcast where we can actually start it that way. I know. I was thinking that as well (laughs) while I was saying it. I think we both were. Yeah, I could see it in your eyes. And then I looked at you. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Did he not press record yet? (laughs) Uh, but here we are. Um, you've arrived to the, uh, Confederacy of Dunks basketball podcast. We are a Raptor fan plus NBA podcast. Uh, we don't have, um, you know, deep, uh, you know, <laughs> connections, but we, we know a lot, but um, we've got some good connections. Yeah. We got some good ones. We've built uh, some. Yeah. And, and Matt, if people want to, you know, support us, follow us, all that good stuff, how, how may they do that? Well, you can find us on The Sonar Network and you can go to those thesonarnetwork.com if you want to check us out there, along with all the other great podcasts that are on the network. And as well, always go to dunkspodcast.com as we always like to plug because we've got all our links there as well for our podcatchers and our Patreon if you would like to support us. Uh, we would really appreciate that. And as well, uh, yeah, just all our social media stuff uh, you can find there as well. Right on. Um, well, uh, I think we got to dive right into this podcast. We got some exciting guests. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll just say to everyone, as always, you know, uh, email your city councilors, call your city councilors, uh, and uh, defund the police. Matt, if you feel like we're ready to get this pod going, please just give me the okay. Okay. Let's let's just bring on the guests and we'll we'll, we'll get talking about uh, all things Raptors. Um, number one, uh, he's a hilarious comedian, uh, amazing stand-up. Um, we were just talking about all all sorts of exciting things in the commercial world. Um, maybe we'll do another podcast one time talking about uh, commercial shoots and, and the exciting happenings on 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 sets around Toronto. But um, we're here to talk basketball. Uh, he's amazing. He's hilarious. Uh, this intro has gone on long enough. Give it up as loud as you can for Yao Atua. This is his uh, on Wards Island. In the summer, naked, maybe. I don't know. No, very naked. drop i mean i i can picture salmon jumping in the humber river all sorts of things oh happening. God. it is a, it is a summertime jam it's a tune i i get very excited every time i'm on and every time that song plays so. uh thanks for joining us man um i hope uh no i don't want to say i hope you're optimistic i hope uh, i hope you're you're doing okay uh that's that's what i actually hope listen um, uh, my days yeah, right now are very very busy but uh uh, being on COD right now is very important to me. So I, that's right. It's a, it's an important, crucial time. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, let's let's bring on guest number two. Uh, he's been on the podcast, I think, only once before, once maybe, before. maybe twice. Once before, uh, not enough, really. He's he's amazing. Now twice. What well, one of my very favorite basketball people in the basketball universe. Uh, the best Raptors podcast out there. Uh, hot takes, actually not really hot takes, but like good takes. Uh, give it up as loud as you can for Lockdown Raptors, Sean Woodley. This, this is your 
resident music, which I can only sort of hear, so I assume it's pretty cool. I can sort of hear it too. I'm, it's better than no music, so I'll take it. I've never had a musical intro before on a podcast, so we're already ahead of the game. <laughs> but Maddie takes care of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, how you doing, Sean? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, guys. I am not busy. Um, you know, I'm a person who worked from home before all this stuff happened anyway. So I'm just uh, doing my thing, talking into a microphone. It's just with more people than myself and sometimes Katie. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I feel like there's, there's there's so much Raptor stuff we got to talk about right away. And um, I said I was going to keep this pod under an hour. Yeah, okay. I've, I've put it on the record now, so I got to go for it. Um, Maddie, <laughs> if you got that Raptor sting... And I know you do. Would you cue it up for me? Here we are. Um, Raptors, Raptors, Celtics. Uh, it's it's game five. This is a it's a pretty intense series. Um, I think a lot of people thought it would go seven. I thought it would go seven. Uh, I had the Raptors winning in seven. I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm still there. Um, a lot has to happen, but, uh, I think, a you know, a lot's already happened in the series and, and we can do it, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, we've seen all these kind of like super crafty nurse zones, uh, you know, Siakam playing free safety at times on D, disrupting all sorts of action by the Celtics. And uh, and I think that defense requires quite a bit of the players who play it. And uh, I've also heard a lot about, you know, the guys being tired. And I think you could kind of see it. But then there's, there's the whole, you know, uh, Coach Bud not playing his guys enough, and and Nurse was doing the right thing by playing his guys huge minutes, but it's just a lot to kind of maintain defensively. Obviously, we have last year's run, but you know we don't have Danny or Kawhi, uh, and and my question kind of is, do you feel like Nurse has underused the bench, or you know maybe should have integrated them into the series earlier, and and do you think it's a kind of it's a trust issue with him? Like, is is he just looking at guys like Norm and Boucher and Rondé and TD, and and just thinking about how they can't execute his defenses? I think it's a little twofold at this point. Like one, we it's still like five games in doesn't feel like we've gotten to the right type of rhythm, and I feel like our bench guys come in and like um, just pick up the steps if, if, for if you were. Um, so like, I feel like this part, like we're not getting the right rhythm for to set them up for success. And part it's like, we don't like Boston like as a city of people. I'm sure the city is not. Sure, yeah. No, I think, I think the broader you go, the better. Yeah. But like, Boston, the Celtics team, the the squad they put on the floor is formidable and they do throw you off. And uh, like, I feel like Jason Tatum is a little overhyped, but I'm not saying that he's not good. He's just the, a lot of second coming of Kobe Bryant comes out of like Boston fans mouths and you're just like, come on guys, slow down. Or like Marcus Smart is a defensive genius, which he's not. Um, but like, there's still a formidable squad that they're putting out there. It's just, it, it I think it's just, it takes a lot. And so we're just like, right now it's like, it feels like a Brad Stevens, Nick nurse chess matchup first before you get to the floor. And part of that is like, we rely on your big guns. And I feel like they're both doing it. It's just in five games so far, Boston has a slight edge in that category. Yeah. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm talking basketball 24 seven with basically anyone who knows me. And uh, I was talking <laughs> with my, my, my brother Miguel today and, you know, I'm careful not to, he, he was saying I might be scapegoating nurse a little bit. And, you know, I, I think that's partially true. And, you know, we, we've had Pascal kind of regress before our eyes offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also I think, you know, to, to your point, 
the Celtics are formidable. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know if, if Tatum's a, a like a Kobe, but I, I, I do think Tatum is ridiculous. And, you know, his patience on the court, I think, is bewildering. And and the Celtics, are they're super talented. So they, they are frustrating. Um, and it's, this is kind of like a playoff series that, for whatever reason, it seems like we have a smaller margin of error than the Celtics do. Um, so yeah. I also said before this playoff started that, that I believe that this is the Eastern Conference Championship. Like the winner of this is probably going to go to the finals. Um, the Heat have since played a lot better than I thought, but I would still probably lean towards the, the winner of this series ends up being the East representative. Um, but like, yeah, like it's it's just a it's a formidable opponent, and I, I don't think Nick Nurse is really scapegoat. Like I, I just think it's just much closer than people thought. I think Americans thought it was like they keep seeing the Celtics on TV, so they thought it was just going to steamroll them, especially after two zero. And we're just in there, okay, two zero, that's cool. We've seen this before, <laughs> and like so, it, it just. I think the Siakam thing, which we'll, I'm sure we're going to talk about, yeah. is like the biggest, my biggest point of contention in the series. But um, yeah, totally. And, and I, th- I think you got some major points there. And where I was heading was kind of in the direction. And, and Sean, this is for you. Yeah. Kind of the same question, but just like your overall take on Nurse and the series and, you know, going with his guys. And, and do you feel like he's played it right? Or is it kind of... It's more, maybe more on Pascal. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because like it kind of all bleeds into each other. Pascal can struggle, but it's like, what is Nurse doing to put him in positions to succeed, right? It, you know, I think Nurse even talked about that last night. Like they haven't done a ton of Pascal creating. He hasn't had the ball in his hands enough. It's been a lot of, all right, go post up Marcus Smart, who is ridiculous on defense. And at some point in this series, the Raptors will recognize one time when Marcus Smart is guarding them and decide, hey, maybe let's not ISO this guy. But it's it's a whole multitude of things. I think Nurse is yeah. playing it right in terms of who he's playing. I, I mean, Norm has been awful. It's hard to overlook it. I mean, he's had like Terrence Davis looking jumps and fouls and just kind of the chaotic stuff that we thought Norm had kind of gotten rid of this year, right? I mean, his finishing around the basket was so good all season long. That's gone away. And so you're sitting there with like six guys that you trust and apparently maybe Matt Thomas now. And it's just... I know. There's no, like, like Yao mentioned, there's not really margin for error because like the Celtics at all times are going to have at least one of their big three guys on the floor and usually two. And that is tough to handle. You can't be rolling out like heavy bench lineups because as much as we love Chris Boucher and Ronda Ellis Jefferson, they take away a lot on respective ends of the floor. I I mean, it'd be nice to run Ronda out as a small ball five and throw him on Tatum a little bit, but he just can't do anything on offense. He's constantly falling down. (laughs) And so when that happens, you kind of got to roll with your dudes. And then when your dudes are a 34 year old, point guard who needs to play 47 minutes for you to win a game it's going to catch up to you at some point and you know they i think there might be a bit of a blessing and that they didn't run their guys too hard in game five and maybe they'll be a little more fresh for game six but i think you definitely saw the toll of really the only path to the raptors being their best selves and being able to beat the Celtics team is to play their top six or seven guys as much as they can. And you can't like bench one of them because you're not deep enough to do that. And because mm-hmm. really the only way you reach your potential is with Siakam playing a ton and Gasol playing a ton, even if Gasol refuses to ever shoot, like he still needs to be out there because for his defense and his passing and all that stuff. So it's just a difficult, it's a really tough matchup, man. I hate it. I, no, you'll find no love for Boston, the city, the people, the team, Bill Simmons, or any anything on for me, but it's just this is good. This is good. There's a lot of Boston slander going on. Bill Simmons, just flame him. Yeah, yeah I hope he. It. I want him to be sad all the time. And <laughs> unfortunately, this basketball team is not set up to make Boston stand sad. They're very good, and like I still think you know there was a lot of like doom and gloom and despair after the game last night. And it's like, yeah, they might lose in Game Six, and they they might be screwed, and you know they might just be up against a better team, but as we talked about before coming on air Raptors fans can rest easy knowing this was a wonderful season and you can swaddle yourself and all your championship gear for the entire off season until yep. we get basketball again, whatever the hell that may be. And 
it's just you tip your cap. It's a really good team. And I think Nick Nurse has had to play kind of desperation ball with his different defenses seemingly on a per possession basis and playing his best guys because it's a really tough team to gain an edge against because of all the talent they have. I actually don't think they're doing terribly on defense, to be honest. No, they're not. They're really like, not. Like, oh, I think we're doing great. I mean, Pascal had a bit of a rough game on defense yesterday or uh, in, in game five, but yeah. I think he's been fairly remarkable. Like the Tatum, uh, the, there was a Tatum air ball sequence. There's a really, he stripped Tatum around half court. Shot um, clock violation he forced him into. Yeah, there's been like, yeah. I think like to a man, the, that's kind of where my, my question was geared and, 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 uh, Sean, you touched on the, the Matt Thomas thing, mm-hmm. which is what really kind of has like got my mind wondering, like, is, is it all about, can you execute nurses defense? And if you can't, and, you know, and, and, you know, to your point about norm, I think there was one, one game where he fouled Tatum five times, like five mm-hmm. of his fouls were on Tatum. Like I might, I might be like wrong. 90 I mean, seconds or something like that. It was crazy. It, it, and just kind of like riding the back of him and Tatum would put him in jail basically every time he was on him. So, you know, that doesn't help, but you know, then, then, you know, watching Matt Thomas kind of do some stuff, watching Terrence Davis on Kemba, although it was like fourth quarter garbage minutes, I still think there was a couple moments where Kemba was like, okay, this guy's huge and this guy's (laughs) fast and he's not scared of me. I'm Mm -hmm. sure, you know, you have four or five, Kemba, you know, TD sequences in a row and Kemba starts to pick them apart. But it just makes me wonder if, you know, if, if nurse is using all of all the intricate tools we have. Um, and, and I think this kind of goes to uh, the Abaka walking boot news. I just read. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that makes me wonder, you know, you know, Sean, this is something I've heard you say in the pod that I, I totally agree with. And, and that's Rondé kind of struggling to share the court with Abaka. So I wonder if, you know, if Abaka's out, can Boucher and Rondé play together? Is that a bit of a different look? You know, can one of those guys maybe integrate themselves uh, into the game in, in a meaningful way? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can play them both together because you're uh, like at all times you want to have one of Pascal or Mark on the floor, I would think. Right. Yeah. If, especially if you don't have a Baca. So, you know, Pascal play 40 plus minutes, most likely in game six. There's not much to work with when it comes to minutes at the four and OG slides down to the four a bunch too. Um, I, I think, you know, Rondé is uh, an agent of chaos yep. <laughs> and we love him for it. I, I think if there's no Abaka, you could maybe get away with something where you like like they did against the Wolves. I think it was when they didn't have any of their centers, and they had Rondé started center against Carl Anthony Towns, and he on offense kind of played point guard a little bit. Which like yeah, in an elimination game, maybe you don't want Rondé Hollis Jefferson running your pick and yeah, rolls. That's, that's like, a lot of turnovers. If you want for like four or five minutes just to get a breather for Gasol or, or Siakam, who I'd imagine will have to play some center if a is not available, you know, maybe it's worth it because of his defense. Boucher just, he's so erratic to me and is just like very prone to getting bludgeoned by a guy like Daniel Tice, who's just thick and mean. And so I'm, and like he also seems to have really lost his range on his putbacks, which is notable considering that's like the thing he does best. Yeah, <laughs> so, I feel like he almost had a couple. Yeah, in it's, game just like five. He's miss, it's like a three point shooter who can't get his range, except it's dunks. And it's frustrating to sell because it's the thing he does best is the most exciting thing he does too. And so I, I don't really trust Boucher all that much. It, without a Baca, I think you just got to ride Gasol for like 30 minutes at least and just hope. And then you probably got to slide down. And. You know, I see Yao wincing at the idea on the Zoom call of 30 minutes uh, of Gasol, but like he's necessary, man. It's it's kind of the same thing with Pascal, right? Like you can think about benching Pascal if he's not playing well, but you're you're totally going to sewer yourself because his defense is so essential, and it yeah, kind of applies not- to Gasol as well. It's he's. He is the rim protection. Yes, he's yeah. gotten blown by a couple times here and there by Kemba Walker, but for the most part, he's been damn good. And when they've been at their best, he's been damn good. And they're not going to be at their best if they don't get 
Gasol on the floor for as much as possible. I mean, before yesterday's game, the starters were absolutely kicking the piss out of the Celtics, which is if you're looking for encouraging signs, like they, they were just like destroying them for the entirety of the series. And that was even with the game one blowout baked in. I mean, the Raptors had like a 7.8 net rating with their starting lineup and the Celtics were like a minus 11.1 or something like that through the four games. That's a nice thing to remember. It is wonderful. Sorry, that that was for the audience, but for me, sorry. (laughs) The numbers are screwed because of you know because of game five. But like that's been the case through most of the series. The starters are better, and it's because of Gasol and everything he does. Even when he just like refuses to even consider the notion of potentially maybe one time taking a shot. It's it's truly frustrating when he doesn't look at the basket. It, that that to me is like a whole other level. Sorry, good, well, it's go the very opposite of what Russell Westbrook is doing in these playoffs right now. So it's like, <laughs> just really take take the shot when you're see the basket. You're a threat. You can hit those. So he's proven it before. Yeah. Um, I want to go a, a bit more in, a, in into Pascal and and Kyle, and I think something really cool uh, as far as player development. Uh, although it was a bit unfortunate for Raptors fans has, has kind of happened in this series, right? You know, you have Pascal training to be the number one. He hurts his groin, his shooting kind of suffers a little bit. The league knows who he is. Um, COVID happens. The pandemic happens. He comes back to the bubble. He's not shooting as efficiently, but also the team is fully healthy. So it's not the same chemistry that it was during the season. And uh, it kind of just didn't matter at all against the Nets. We're, you know, we're a read and react team. We're just too smart. We kind of just went with the flow and beat the crap out of the Nets. There was one close game. Uh, And the difference from the Nets to the Celtics is just gargantuan. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that was tough to deal with in and of itself. But um, yeah, yeah, I'll go, I'll go to you first. Um, You know, it does seem, and if you disagree, please let me know. But like, it does seem like Kyle, you know, kind of took the team back. And and if our offense was struggling, he's like, well, I know that I can penetrate personally. If Fred can't do stuff and Pascal can't do stuff, I still can because I'm Kyle Lowry and I'm like a walking legend, basically. <laughs> but I'm yeah, like, do, do, do you think he do you think we can win this series with with Kyle continuing to do that? Or do you feel like there has to be like some you know, Pascal, just like, buddy, you can do this. We're going to push you. Nurse has kind of slightly publicly called you out, but like not in a major way. Um, you know, yeah, I, I guess I'm asking, like, do you think there can be like a, a, a transfer back of power and that's how we win? Or is it, it has to stay as it is? I'm going to say two things. Okay. One, two, like they're, they're in two parts. So the first part is about Kyle Lowry. Second part is about Pascal Siakam. So the part one about Kyle Lowry, first of all, the most underrated player in the NBA. Brad Stevens has said it. I've said it for months. He's by far the most underrated player in the NBA. I don't think he, quote unquote, ever lost the team. He was been the leader the entire year. He's, Thanks for saying that because I was going to correct myself. Like, it really is Kyle's team. But you know what I mean? We were trying to feature Pascal. I, I know. I, mean, I, I think I, I credit that or discredit or whatever. The media, it's a media's fault because the media saw Pascal Siakam like rise up and like, he's their new number one. And our team has been like, yeah, sure, whatever. Say whatever you want. (laughs) Um, So it's always been Kyle's team. This is why he did the inbound, which was very important. That's why that play, what it is, what it is. It is why like when when we're down, he gets us a bucket. It's why he leads the league in charges. He's always been the leader. Um, it, he's just take. He just does more. Everyone just expects a leader to hit a bunch of shots and drop forty, and that's just not his game. And frankly, we're not at his best, our best if he does that. The second part is Siakam. I had to look this up, but I'm not 100 percent sure of the second part of the stat. Has scored 25 more points in 20 games this year. I believe we're undefeated in those games. Um, I either it's either that or like we've won, lost one. Um, but it's a staggering record when he gets going. So getting going is very important because there is something about like him drawing attention that opens us up. So I understand why Fred and Kyle have been saying like, we need to get him going and it's very important to get him going. Um, So like, and I also feel like when he's on, he is a matchup nightmare for everyone else in the league that isn't Giannis. So it's, 
it's important to get him going. I don't think it's the be like we've already proven we won two games without re- he got going in one game without really getting going. Um, I don't think it's the end of us if we can't get him going, but I feel like this series is completely different if he's averaging his 22 a game opposed to like Fred leading the, us in the playoffs at 19 a game. It's like, it's a very different look of his team. Yeah. Um, Sean, what do, what do you, what do you think? Can, can Kyle, like, I mean, I guess, sorry, you know what? Kyle can, right? Kyle can do whatever we, <laughs> whatever the question that he is. can do anything. Yes. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. but you know, just for right now, not for long term, do you think there is a way to kind of get a better version of Pascal for these next two games? I mean, I don't know, man. He he really does seem out of sorts. And I, like that seems like the layoff really did affect him. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure, you know, if you can just snap back to regular form. But I do think like it is kind of one thing feeding the other a little bit where like giving the ball to Kyle more and having him create more like he did in games three and four and didn't really for the most part in game five. And it was a lot of Fred dribbling for like 20 minutes and forgetting to pass to anybody. Um, you know, I think if you give it to Kyle more and, you know, work Pascal and as a screener, have him like run that pick and roll that was, they just destroyed teams with in crunch time all season right. long. Like, that's the way to get things going for Pascal. It's not to just throw it into the post to him because the Celtics do have very good defenders and Jalen Brown has done an excellent job. And Marcus smart seems like you can post him up, but you can't it's a Kyle Lowry situation, except he's got like four inches on Kyle. And so, you know, I think it's sort of at a necessity that Kyle's done more because Kemba Walker is the guy you can attack. And the Kemba Walker, Daniel Tice pick and roll coverage is the thing you can attack. And oftentimes Kyle's the one that's able to sort of pick that apart. Right. But there are also ways to work Pascal into the flow of the offense, particularly as a role man. And, you know, we saw it even early, I think in yesterday's game where, you know, a nice little pick and pop, he gets an 18 footer. That's like a comfortable shot for him when he gets it in that. It's kind of like the Serge Ibaka jumper. Right. And, you know, forcing him to post up a million times into a defense that knows exactly what's coming when your shooters aren't exactly like lighting the world on fire either. And so you're not even making that much good out of the, the you know, the, the, the kicking out and swinging it around, you know, opportunities that posting up gives you. It just feels like they, they're forgetting him a little bit. They're forgetting what made him so good. And a part of that is Boston doing a very good job. But also I think, uh, you know, as much as I love Fred Van Vliet and I think the Raptors should pay him all the money, I think some, you know, a lot of onus for game five goes on him because I thought it was a lot of his drawn out possessions where he kind of forgets Pascal's on the floor a little bit, runs pick and rolls with Gasol or Ibaka and resets it three or four times. And then all of a sudden, oh shit, we got to kick to the corner for an OG late second three. Like, that to me was what sapped all the life out of the, the offense for the Raptors. And, you know, you have to remember you have Pascal on the floor and they did at the start of the third quarter. I mean, they gave it to him a few times. He, you know, had a couple improvised post-ups, things like that. And he ran a couple pick and rolls and lo and behold, wow, there, there's buckets to be had. It's just, I feel like at times their offense can forget about, about him. And I think running things through Kyle, who always knows when to make sure guys are eating and is very mindful of that in a way that I don't think Fred is quite mastered. I think that helps you in terms of getting the most out of whatever this version of Pascal with the four month layoff baked in is. I think Kyle is sort of the vehicle to get the most out of him. I, I was also going to say, yeah. like I was looking at the, like if you look at the box, box score, did he only take nine shots last game, Pascal? Yeah, like three yeah. of the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Three it, shots. It's, the first you can't half. have that. Like it's, it's kind of unacceptable if you, especially when you know your team is a little better. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll take him just firing away from three over only shooting nine shots any day. <laughs> like I, I kind of hope that, um, you know, there's not like a talk with Pascal, but I hope that like there's, there, there's this idea where it's like, Hey man, you will and were becoming the playmaker that this team will need post Kyle, but we Mm -hmm. do still have Kyle and he can play make and you just worry about stressing out their incredibly, you know, sophisticated uh, transition defense. Um, But run, you're, you're ridiculous. You're so tall and you're so fast and don't worry about the, you know, D Reeves, you're just going to leak out like crazy. Pretend, pretend Mm -hmm. it's golden state game one. 
of, of the finals and see if you can just get as many transition buckets as you can. Even if you can't, that might change the dynamic of things a little bit. And, and, and to your point about, uh, about uh, Fred, Sean, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like Fred, you know, is a good playmaker and that's also something he's developing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it wasn't so long ago that he, he couldn't even really do the, 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 you know, the pick and pick and pop with surge that well. And they, they kind of developed that this year. And I, I, I love the feeling when there's a bit of chaos, maybe there's an O-Reeb and the ball somehow finds Fred who's, you know, a couple feet away from the three point line. Like that's the Fred I love. Mm-hmm. And if you watch he's that so goal, good off the ball, he's so he's, good. Yeah, exactly. If he's just waiting there and the ball rolls to him, like he, that, that three is going in. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, in the bubble, and, and against the Nets, we saw, I think, where Fred maybe is going. But similar to Pascal, I think we got to kind of take what we have and let Kyle run the show, but try to feature those guys. Um, okay, uh, I'll, I'll finish on this and I'll stick with you, Sean. Then I'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll go to you after Yao. Um, this is a weekly podcast. So the next episode, <laughs> um, we're taking a bit of a leap of faith. Uh, games six and or seven will have happened. Uh, and perhaps even a game one. Um, or maybe not. I'm not sure when the, when the uh, conference finals start, if there's like a, a slated date when it starts. But um, There isn't, but... Yeah. Uh, there Sean. was, and then the stoppage, I think, kind of threw the whole schedule for a loop, and they're just going to go right into it, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, next, uh, next Tuesday, what, uh, I don't know what the date's going to be, but, um, yeah, next, uh, the 15th. Yeah. So next 15th, what's, what's going on, Sean? What what are you telling Raptors fans? Uh, look, man, I want to be the optimistic one. I like, I think we very well could be talking about a game one against the heat for sure. I, I don't think that's off the table by any means, but Boston's really good. It's a shitty matchup. They're really, really good. And I, I I feel like it's going to go seven. I feel like we're going to be talking about a wonderful game six win and then flip a coin for game seven. So uh, uh, this is difficult Uh, at the, at the, out of the interest of not having Phil Simmons be happy. Yeah. Raptors heat uh, game one going on next Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll, I'll Fine. I like it. <laughs> you, good, got good. It you know what? It's it's. I think you covered like all the areas of mm-hmm. potentially grieving Raptors fans to to ones that are like, hey, you doubted us for half of a sentence. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, well, what are you telling people? Uh, you know, we, a week into the future. Uh, I'm. We're talking about how uh, if we get to a game seven, I'm, uh, and I, I feel confident we will. Uh, game sevens are very different from the rest of the series where it requires a different metal. So we're talking about how, like, how can we match up against Jimmy Buckets? Because Buckets is, is a tough matchup for any team. And, uh, and it feels like we're, we're going back to work. We're not, like, celebrating. Uh, and I feel like that's the difference between, like, a team that has championship expectations versus like, we're just happy to be here. Like there, I remember the Raptors days when we were making the Easter conference, we made the Easter conference finals against the Cavs and we were just happy to be there. And now we're like, okay, let's punch the car. Let's punch the clock and do it again. But I, I'm good. I, I feel confident about game six and I personally feel very confident about this squad going into a game seven against Boston as as talented as Boston is yeah. and how much the media will talk about this is Tatum's coming out moment. It's still going to be a bigger moment than they're used to versus the, what our team is like. Our team could settle for a game and settle in a game seven opposed to like for them, it's like they're getting up for it. They have made the Easter conference finals for them. It's like a bigger deal. And for us, it's like another step. So I feel, I feel like once if we get past game six, I like our chances. I will also say, I, I think if they get past Boston, which is a particularly bad matchup, like 
I feel very good about the Raptors in a Heat series. I know Jimmy Butler's a maniac, but like Kyle Lowry is an equal maniac to Jimmy Butler. And the Heat have shown very little ability ever to guard a point guard. It just so happens that the point guard the Bucks have is Eric Bledsoe, who we know is a fraud, <laughs> along with uh, everyone else on that team and their coach. But like, like the Heat have defended the Bucks so well because the Bucks don't adapt and they have, it's basically just everything is a nail and they are the hammer, but like sometimes you need a different tool and they don't have that. Whereas if you go and look at like a heat Raptors matchup, there's just, there's so much less preparation you can do if you're the heat for the Raptors and so much you can, there's only so much you can do possession to possession. You have to change things up. And and I think in particular, I don't see the heat scoring on the Raptors at all. Like the Raptors have a versatile defense. They don't do the, the, the bucks thing where we run, they run the same defense every single possession. And that's just how they do it. Like the Raptors will run like six different defenses in a quarter. And and so with that, I, I feel like I was at two, two, I was like already thinking about the finals because I, I, I find the heat to be as good as they've been against the bucks. There are a lot of holes in that team that I just don't really buy in oh, a series where there's a, a competent coach on the other side who, you know, wants to make adjustments and is not apparently like trying to get fired. And so, I, it, <laughs> you know, as, as another kernel of optimism for Raptors fans, I feel like things get easier if you get through this series. As I, I, said, I feel yeah, like the series was totally the finals. I feel like where this is going to represent the. And I thought I thought I saw there there was a tweet somewhere that was just saying like you know, this is where the defense is at in the league right now, and it's it's actually kind of like funny to watch the Western Conference series after this, because like it's just I mean actually the you know the the, the Clippers kind of turned it on there in Game Three a little bit, but um, I I do think that this this series just is just so defensive that our, you know, kind of similar to last year, like after we got past Philly, our offensive players were kind of like, they were able to flourish a bit more. Norm was able to go. Fred was able to go. And I think like, you you know, we need to play more players against the bucks. Um, My insane prediction is that, uh, we are waiting on the Bucks Heat series to end uh, to figure out uh, who we're going to play between the Bucks and the Heat because somehow the Bucks have won three games in a row against the Heat without Giannis, and people are still clowning Bud because he didn't. He doesn't. He's not even really responsible for it. Like he he doesn't know how it's happening. It's mostly Middleton. Um, that, that's not going to happen. Uh, that's not going to happen at all. I was like, but, uh, that is a caveat. You said insane. So yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, let's, let's move on to some NBA stuff. Um, Maddie, if you got, if you got an NBA sting for me, would you give it to me? National, National Basketball, Basketball Association. Classic uh, Adam Silver tugboat in there. I don't know if I heard it this time. No, just me uh, explaining what MBA stands for. Oh, good, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's always like a nice clear, like you know, nice clarity moment in the pod. Um, that's like the professional move when you're on a television panel and you have to kill a minute to say <laughs> National Basketball Association five times, and then boom, your segment is over. <laughs> They're like, "This is a a robot of some kind, but it's a good design." Like you're I'm watching National feeling... Basketball Association basketball. All right, time for commercial. <laughs> hey, this guy's a pro. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's let's go to you first, Yao. Um, which which non uh, Raptor Celtics series is going to seven? Uh, the Nugget. Oh, the Lakers Heat. I mean, oh, sorry, Lakers Rockets. I, I, I think I feel like both those Western Conference um, series can go to seven. But if you're like pick one that's for sure going to seven, it's I'm going to lean towards the Lakers Rockets just because the Rockets are such a streaky, hot, cold team that like for three, you can be like for three games, they played their best basketball and for four games, they played their basketball. Like I could see that more, more so than the Nuggets Clippers, but I feel like the Nuggets Clippers is because the Clippers get lazy. But yeah, my, 
My my pick was going to be Nuggets Clippers because n- not necessarily the Clippers, mostly just because I I don't remember the Nuggets ever playing a series that wasn't seven games <laughs> uh, in the past little while. I just there's something about that team like they have a lot of depth, a lot of talent. Sometimes Jokic seems like basketball is easy, um, but you know. Um, yeah, so that 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 was my pick, and uh, yeah, definitely not the Heat Bucks. Uh, Sean, what's your what's your going to seven non Raptors Celtics team? I was gonna say Nuggets Lakers until Kawhi flipped the bird at a Jamal Murray dunk and yeah. ruined any hope. Like I feel like Denver needed that game if they were gonna yes. win the series. That felt like one of those crushing losses, mm-hmm. and like poor Jeremy Grant just missing every wide open three that Nikola Jokic creates for him because he's yeah. a genius. Just a bummer. Um, I think it's Lakers and Rockets as well. It's such a weird series between two like very flawed teams, but they're flawed in different ways in that yeah. like the Rockets supporting cast, I absolutely trust, which is weird, but like mm-hmm. PJ Tucker rules and Robert Covington is awesome. And like Austin Rivers is somehow pretty good off the bench and Daniel House is good. But then they have like these mercurial stars and like I mostly trust Harden, but Westbrook is like actively bad right now. And that is working against the cause. It just so happens that he's up against a supporting cast for the Lakers. That sucks. Like LeBron and AD are great. Everyone else on that team is just like incomplete or they're still in like sleeper cell mode. Like Danny green was when he played the Raptors and he's just like never gotten out of it. Um, and then like Alex Caruso is their fourth best player. <laughs> it's just like, what are you supposed to do with that? So I feel like it's going seven because neither team will be able to get out of their own way and will like cough up hilarious losses. Um, I want to pick the Rockets to win just because I think it'd be funny, but I, uh, I I begrudgingly think the Lakers will win because I trust LeBron and AD more. And then I think they'll get uh, absolutely killed by the Clippers because they have a trash supporting cast. I have a, a Raptors Rockets final uh, in my head from the beginning <laughs> of the season. So uh, I'm, I'm sticking with it right the now. PJ Tucker bowl. Hell yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I also feel like, yeah, it's, it is. I, I know the Rockets frustrate people, but I just love when when a team is trying to like break a sport or they're just trying to do something that that frustrates people or that that's so kind of like a such a strict vision. Also, because, yeah. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but this no. this fires me up. It's not like they're doing anything different than any other team where, oh, threes are good and mid-range shots sure. are bad. They're just doing it better than anybody else and realize, oh, this center is kind of a dumb middleman we don't need. Like they're it's not just, that different than the Warriors. I don't think they're exactly. doing better than anybody else. I think they're just doing it more prolifically than anybody else. Sure. That's they're also getting, fair. Yes. They're they're getting listen, if if Westbrook gets out of his own head way and stops shooting threes and just attacks a guy who's standing like five feet away, because you really can't stop him. If you give him that much of a head start and he just goes downhill on you, I feel like he's gonna drop like 30 points a game if he does that. And those, I think those are the games that they end up winning. I think when it comes to game seven, though, Russ regresses. Harden can't shoot to save his life. And LeBron James does what he does in game sevens, which is the yeah. strong. He's like the I feel like uh, I, feel, I feel like that series is like um, what was that show? There was like two shows that were basically the same. I think it was like battle bots and robot wars, <laughs> but I feel like that series, like, you know, it's like Houston is like, has like a torch. That's like kind of not doing much, but, and, but the Lakers are like just this like square thing that has a flipper <laughs> and it's like, it's just weird. Like they're not really hurting each other. They're kind of just doing things in the same area. Um, but it's a uh, series that like produces takes like good ass takes too, which is great. You gotta love takes and there's no takeier series unless like the Sixers had actually given the Celtics a fight. Like that might've been a little takeier, but no, this is like the, this is take heaven with Lakers and Rockets, no matter what the outcome is, either Westbrook and Harden are broken. Daryl Morey's a fraud or LeBron is washed and he's never going to be the goat. And Anthony Davis is, uh, is just never going to be a a suitable number two. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just all very juicy and delicious. Yeah. Caruso's best dunker who ever lived. (laughs) Um, 
Okay, well, I wanted to go to the, the the Steve Nash hire a little bit because I, I feel like it was interesting and um, yeah, I wanted to talk about like some of the frustration uh, and and also just like kind of like read you, or you know check your guys' temperature on it. Um, when I first heard it, like yeah, I did have the feeling of you know not necessarily like oh it should have been um, Becky Hammond or. Uh, I wish it was Jerry Stackhouse. Um, but I did have like another white man feeling, but then also, you know, kind of convoluted by it's Steve Nash, who's, uh, you know, good friends with Kevin Durant. And I think a lot of people would be really excited to have Steve Nash as your head coach. And he's probably going to be an excellent, uh, head coach, but, um, yeah, it's kind of just this middle feeling of like, where does it start though? And, and, and when do those hires happen? Um, yeah. And, you know, if you, know, feel free, if you don't have like a, an excellent take on this or opinion on this, that's okay. I just, I kind of wanted to bring it up because um, it's one of those, one of those headlines that has me feeling both ways, I guess. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll go to you first. Yeah. It's, there's a couple things. I feel like, I feel like in my heart of hearts, I believe this is like the, one exception to the what the hell, why didn't you interview Mark Jackson or insert other coaches' names that are available here? Um, I think because of how finicky Durant is, and it's 100% how finicky he is, I, I don't think they give a shit about like Kyrie and how he feels about it because, frankly, like whatever, he, he wants. Who knows what he's feeling ever? Ever, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it's because of like making Durant happy and getting his guy, that that's why they have it. And he's a, and getting a two time MVP who's a point guard of that mind from a certain system, like all these like weird stars are aligning with Steve Nash. So I'm not like going to kill it. Uh, I forget the code. There's coach's name. That's, not in my head right now that I'm thinking of the guy who used to coach the, uh, uh, the Grizzlies, um, Fizdale, Fizdale. Yeah. Like a Fizdale or Mark Jackson, who for some weird reason coached a good team, didn't somehow did not get along with him and has been banned from coaching, even though Larry Brown notoriously didn't get along with anybody who wasn't a veteran. Um, so I feel like it's really weird that those two coaches didn't get a chance. Um, but I feel like Steve Nash is like the weird exception and it's only Steve Nash going to the Nets. Like if Steve Nash went to like the Hawks or something, then I would have like a bit more of an issue because of these like players, like Jason Kidd suddenly getting a head coaching role that he didn't deserve or Luke Walton coaching the Lakers out of nowhere, even though he hadn't proved he was a winner at any point in his career. Um, like Fizdale and Mark Jackson were the two names that come out. Becky Hammond clearly seems like she deserves it at this point. And you just want to see what she does when she's finally at the helm. By the way, I was right about to interrupt you by saying, no, Fizdale's the coach of the Knicks, but he got let go by the Knicks. I feel like I missed that. Fizdale got let go by the Knicks and Tibbs is their coach now. He's going to ruin RJ Bear like he ruined Oh Andrew my Wiggins. god, yeah, how am I for Tibbs? <laughs> Tibbs. Yeah. yeah, so you know, Sean, I feel like we, we we covered a lot of ground, but like yeah, did did you have complicated feelings, you know, around this was this like kind of like a one particular exception because of Steve Nash? Like I related to Yao when he said that as well. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah, like I think a couple things can be true. I think like yes, this can be a an extreme one-off circumstance because of the nature of KD, but it also can be, you know, kind of emblematic of the problem in that, you know, it, it's right. not just black coaches who don't get interviewed. It's, you know, Becky Hammond for how long has been sort of in this waiting period where it feels like sort 6 of, years now. Yeah, and like Greg Popovich is like able to legislate when she can coach and not and says I don't feel like making history today and it's like, well, and there's just all this whole sort of like pay your dues stuff that gets thrown around not just with Becky Hammond or or it, it could be any coach, you know, pay your dues and you'll get there. And Steve Nash literally didn't even want the job. He didn't have to pay any dues, wasn't even thinking about paying the dues. And now he's the head coach of the Nets. And it's just like, yeah, there's something weird and wrong there. Yes, KD is particularly finicky. And yes, you want to hire someone who's going to make him happy first yeah. and foremost. But 
still, there's very clearly a problem here with the, the sort of hiring practices in the NBA. And also, I don't think there's any guarantee this is actually going to work. Like, yes, you've appeased one player on your team. Um, you know, the, now we're getting to the good stuff because I don't managing, think the Nets are going to be good. Sorry. Yeah, well, like managing personalities is not easy. And we've heard from Nick Nurse and a lot of guys who, like, I think Taylor Jenkins is another example where just the very experience of being a head coach, regardless of the level and the understanding that it's not just about the X's and O's and it's about the personal management. And Hey, maybe Steve Nash is great at that, but we don't know that. And this is a team with a, basically a two year window here before Kyrie and Katie's contracts are up and they have thrown a rookie co- coach in who we have no idea how he's going to handle the interpersonal stuff. And that's already a team that's going to have a ton of drama. You've got Jarrett Allen, who's very good, who probably is not going to be on the team because they want to start DeAndre Jordan, even though he's bad now. And you have like Karis LeVert, who is very clearly quite good, but will he be good off the ball as like a third or fourth option? I don't know. Spencer Dinwiddie's still there too. There's a lot of egos to manage there. Guys who, because of all the injuries they've had, they've all had tastes of being number one options. And that's a lot to ask of a first year guy. And that doesn't even get to the point that I have kind of thought about, which there's a lot of really, really great players in all sports who suck ass as coaches because they can't impart the wisdom. They can't just be like, hey, read the floor like Steve Nash. That's not easy. He's like a once in a lifetime point guard. Trying to impart that wisdom feels impossible to me. Mm-hmm. You saw in like the NHL, like Wayne Gretzky was like one of the worst coaches we've ever seen <sighs> because like he couldn't just be like, all right, so you see that pass that uh, was eight seconds out that you didn't see. Like you should have seen that because I would have. That's co- that's like that's how these guys are going to resort to coaching. And so maybe Steve Nash has a way to bridge that gap. I don't know. It's it's probably too early to judge him as a coach, but the circumstances under it, like they certainly point to a problem uh, in coaching and hiring practices. And also this just feels like I can swear on this podcast, right? Like yep. <laughs> it just feels like another star fucking move by the Nets and their whole predicament began with a whole era of star fucking when they wanted to get Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Jason Kidd. And that went horribly. And they are probably going to be better than they were with those teams because they bottomed out or or, or like topped out as like middle pack, you know, second round East teams. But it's just, it's all the same kind of hiring practices that the Nets for like five years completely abandoned as they tried to become a competent franchise once again. And now that's all out the window and we'll see. And also uh, Jacques Vaughn should have got the job. Uh, he took that dog shit team and made them good. Oh, and man. That, that, that like of all the things yeah. that are upsetting is that Jacques Vaughn is like, oh, he's a very highly paid assistant now. Great. Awesome. Like he should have had the job. I thought he was I, you know, it was, it's weird when it's a sweep, but I thought he was really good. In the I first mean, he round. got them. He got them to the seven seed with, but even against, nobody against the Raptors. Like mm-hmm. I thought they played really hard. I thought they totally. tried to leverage, you know, what they had and and yeah. like you know tons of shooting. Um, yeah, it was like they're gonna have a problem in the future with the the fact that well, Jafon's still on the staff, which is good. Because um, mm-hmm. usually in those situations they get rid of that staff member, um, but then you have Katie and Kyrie. Kyrie wasn't like their favorite already, so it's going to be. I'm with you, Freddie. I don't feel like they're going to be nearly as good as people think they are. So, um, also we just beat them, right? So it's a, still a bit of a fresh <laughs> fuck Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, I said I said it was gonna th- this pod is gonna be under an hour and I meant it. So uh, <laughs> let's do some let's do some quick, <laughs> let's do some quickish questions. I, I, you know we're not there yet, but I feel like I can pull it off. We can do this. I was um, gonna say oh, National Basketball Association a bunch of times. We're gonna go over an hour and I'm gonna own oh yeah. It. I'm like we're we're at the like you know the 59th minute and you, you got some quick questions off? about the National Basketball Association, <laughs> which they play national basketball. All right, let's Shit, go. It's so smooth. I don't know how. To, don't know what to do when he's just going on. Yeah, Guys, this is the National for- Basketball Association. <laughs> Did I have I mentioned that? This is the Confederacy of Dunks podcast talking about the National Basketball Association. Okay, that's that's some solid that. filler. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maddie, if really you cut that quickish question sting, please, sir, give it to me. Da-da. Okay. Um, 
you, I think everyone knows how this works. I'm going to try and stumble through some questions. Um, they might be hard to decipher. I might misread a comma. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter. You have to answer as quick as you possibly can. Um, no phoning a friend. Uh, no delaying anything like that. Matt, I'm looking at you. Jeez. Um, let's uh, let's do it. Are we are we are we good to go or what? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Yao, Sean, Matt. Um. All right. Yeah. What up? Should mm. the Raptors choose to acquire Giannis? How do you see him fitting next to Pascal? Uh, I see them playing bigger. Um, with uh, they still have a center, you know, Gasol or somebody. Uh, Giannis playing the four. Uh, Pascal playing the wing. OG playing like a two like position. And then Freddie starting because I feel like by the time we acquire him, we don't have a Kyle Lowry. Um, but I also see them playing together on the court because they did in the All Star game and that was their first taste. And they're like, we want to do more of this. I love it. Sean, you're not going to like this question at all. Okay. Um, why is Gasol playing drunk? Still like lingering happy championship feelings and uh, an abundance of rosé in the bubble perhaps uh, <laughs> yeah cuz he's playing you it's know the best playing. i can offer yeah he's he lost so much weight that now just like a single glass of wine just puts him over the edge so yeah i think we've we've established it there it's okay, good okay. to be 100%. as as i have uh will never slim down i think it's good to be a doughy fellow marcus Saul has uh made it very clear to me that uh, exercise is actually uh, a scam that you should not be taking correct um matt yes what's the first word that comes into your head when you hear marcus smart um well it was alec does that make any sense? Smart Alec. Oh, Smart Alec. Okay, that's not. <laughs> that's, I don't know what that is, but that's. I love how it got you, Sean. Though. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, that, I almost punched my laptop. Um, <laughs> yeah. What advice would you give to Nick to, to Nick Nurse right now in preparation for Game Six and possibly Game Seven? Because you know Nick, he needs our advice, right? Of course. Um, I'd say, hey, get your guitar out, start playing some Markels, and think about how you always want Kyle to bring it up the court and how you can get Pascal, his 25, and win the game. And that's all. Okay. Feel like you're doing everything else right, baby. Play me a sweet jam on that guitar. I like it. Um, Sean. After Pascal hit a picturesque sweet chin music on Tice, <laughs> what wrestling move would you like to see executed next game uh, and on what Celtic or which Celtic? I mean, a classic. I, I'm not much of a wrestling person, so I don't know the nomenclature, uh, but uh, I would be fine if someone wanted to hit Daniel Tice with a chair also. He has the face that I hate the most on the Celtics. It's not even close. It's absurd. I hate it. Okay, that's perfect nomenclature, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, I love that you didn't pick a new person. It's no, Tice again. Just keep on going. Tice. He just has this face. Whenever he like is upset hit with it. a call, it's like this like condescending smile. I don't know, man. It just it I, doesn't yeah. do it for me. Smiles that are actually angry or frustrating. Um, if, if Gordon Hayward were playing, by the way, it'd be him, uh, Trump donating ass. But, uh, you know, he's not playing. He's injured. We should probably not hit him with chairs while he's hurt. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, this team is extra hater. without hand playing, by the way. For me, I mean, I think Stevens needs a Stone Cold Stunner more than anyone I've ever. <laughs> like, just one of those ones where he turns around and, like, like he, does, he didn't know Stone Cold was waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, just Matt, knock the khakis right off of him. Yeah, you know, like, and I'm sure he's really a nice guy at the end of the day, but it's uh, it's more fun if I make him into this uh, character. Yeah, that was the only thing I was thinking. I, if Gordon Hayward was playing, it'd be a very different series because for some weird reason, Brad Stevens plays him way too much. And now that he's not available, it is a, they're much. Different. I, yeah. 
Um, I, I do think, yeah, I mean, it, it, it would change everything defensively. Um, if there's one person, one type of person that Pascal Siakam loves to spin into oblivion, it's a six seven white guy. That's right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I, I, that's 100% correct. Um, okay, Matt, this is the last question of the pod. Holy cow. Uh, it's Saturday morning. Uh, the day after game seven, how many slices of toast will you have with your breakfast and what will you put on them? And that's a Whoa. reference to Brad, Brad, a.k.a. Bread Stevens. <laughs> uh, because it's going to be a victory, I'm going to go out. I'm going to treat myself to a little uh, white toast, which I never have. I'm going to get some uh, Texas toast, that thick stuff. <laughs> I'm going to go half a bag. I'm going to go half a bag for breakfast there. And uh, I'm going to just, uh, I don't know, cook 12 eggs. Have them runny and just sop it up, sop it up, and I want to. I'm gonna like have a big yolk smile around, thinking about wow. Brad Stevens. This is good. I, I need like a. I need a Werner Herzog like <laughs> kind of like narrate. You know, what I mean, like I, I want. I want you just to be someone to be watching you from afar in this moment. You know what I mean? Fair um, enough, guys. That's 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 the pod. Uh, thank you so much all for doing it. Uh, I think we're, we're, technically, we're, we're almost there. Um, but, uh, before we go, uh, Yao, um, I saw you've done a couple shows, I think maybe, maybe one show. I don't know. Um, do, do, do you have anything going on? Uh, anything you want to plug? And, and if you don't, uh, do you have a message to the world? Um, there, there's a couple things. One, uh, I'm not going to do any shows until after the 18th. On the 18th, I am getting married. Oh. So this will be the last pod I do before I get married. unless Honored. So it'd be great. My message to everybody is um, be safe, be kind, and follow my ass on Instagram at Yao Experience, Y-A-W Experience. It'll brighten your life. (laughs) It will brighten your life. Um, Sean, you know... uh, you, you, you got locked on. I, I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast, uh, hopefully you also listen to the locked on Raptors, uh, uh, pod. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, is there, is there anything, you know, you, you want to plug besides that or, or that? Yeah. Locked on Raptors. We cover the Toronto Raptors of the national basketball association. <laughs> uh, we also, uh, friend of the podcast, Katie Heindel and I do a podcast called uh basketball where we yes. also talk about the national basketball <laughs> association. It's a, uh, it's a, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's a really good time. We have a Patreon page actually next week. We're doing a zoom trivia night for our Patreon subscribers only. So if you want to get in cool. on that action, uh, it's like four bucks to sign up. You get into our discord chat and all that stuff. So uh, I'm sure listeners to this podcast are familiar with Katie. Uh, if you don't like me, you'll certainly like Katie and it's probably good enough reason to subscribe to the podcast. You'll, you'll like them both. I, I, I swear you'll like them both. Um, oh, you're very likable. You have a likable face. Yeah. Oh, thank you so Lots much. Like. Opposite of Daniel Tice, whose face is unlikable and yeah. he's receiving it. Of an arcade. This is the nice face pod. Are you um, saying that my face is the antithesis to hey, Daniel's? Hey. That was bad. That was pretty good. It was pretty good. I could, I, with it. With I could it. read it as you said it, you know? Yep. Uh, okay, that's uh that's that's it so, for the pod. Uh, everyone, you know, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Can anyone around here speak basketball? It's the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast.